Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. Hello and welcome to episode 47 of the Comic Pod in association with Anfield Index. I keep wanting to say in association with a sponsored partner. I don't know why. I was thinking it'd be great one day if we just comes out with some giant sponsorship deal that me and Stu are making loads of money off, but it's not happened yet. Um, tonight it is just me and Stu. How are you doing, mate? Uh, yeah, I'm good. I'm good, thank yeah. you. Thank I'm you. not going to introduce myself anymore, I don't think. I think people know us by now if they listen to this pod. I would hope so, anyway. Yeah, I would be disappointed if they didn't. Yeah, we're 47 in. You know, it's how long have we been going now? Is it 18 months? Oh, yeah, well over 18 months. Jesus. Jesus. That's quite impressive, that, actually. That, that's practically long-running. Yeah, I'd say we're a long-running, we're a long-running established established podcast we're still shit um, but we're long running and established yeah well yeah we I, it's I all about quantity to, not quality i'd say it's all about quantity yeah and and we've had some excellent quantity in, yeah. in our time you know and I some think, terrible terrible quality yeah but we've had the odd one i still fondly we've remember one. that we've had, had low the logo <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> We both go, what's what's the best podcast you've done? Well, there was this one. No, there was just Logan. It yeah, Logan yeah. and then a whole lot of filler. And long may yeah. continue. Yeah, filler and crude jokes and swear words. And me saying the C-bomb. And me not remembering any actors' names. That seems to happen an awful lot. For a man that knows, I think I know a lot of stuff. I, I seem to forget every significant actor's name in films which is or tv which is pretty terrible well Um, at least on this one we've got a big cast to talk about we have got a big cast so i better open imdb and be prepared for once um we're hitting quite early on this i'd say this is probably the the quickest reaction we've done yeah to a to a series or film um we are talking about um Netflix's biggest Marvel production to date, I say maybe it's not quite. It, it feels it like is. it. Yeah, I think, it feels sure like it budget is. wise and cast wise, it's head and shoulders above everything else. Yeah, I think it's. Um, we're talking about Defenders, obviously, if you, you didn't get the grasp of that or didn't look at the picture or the description. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, so, yeah, we're talking about Defenders this week. It's. It's it's going to be huge for them in in terms of the I think in the short scheme and long scheme of things for for Netflix because it was the coming together of all the four major characters that we've all been waiting a long time for I think and they've been working towards it for is it two two years now two, yeah three it's years two now? years do you know what's quite interesting actually about this um, which. I only discovered today, um, and this is this is kind of off topic. Well, it's not, but Iron Fist was shot um, after Defenders. What? Yeah. So I discovered that the Defenders oh. was shot first, and Iron Fist was shot or finished second, which is interesting because I think we'll talk about Danny Rand in a bit. Um, 
That's but, really strange. Yeah, I, I heard that was uh, I can't remember which podcast I was listening to, but it was it was discussed at length. And I think what what they realise is that because they committed to the character in this story in this style, um, there was no chance to maybe correct anything. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, it might be that, or maybe it was. Um, Oh god, no! I think it was. I think it was either that way round, or they'd finished shooting the defenders when Iron Fist was already released. I can't remember. There's something that essentially means that the reaction from Iron Fist couldn't then be adjusted for the defenders. Do you know what I mean? They had no time to then go back and go, right. yeah. Do you know what was good or what was bad about Iron Fist? And and they they, they basically couldn't do reshoots and, and change any narrative because. Um, I think you've noticed with, I don't know, Jessica Jones felt like Jessica Jones. I suppose Luke Cage did the same, but Daredevil was definitely evolved. Do you know what I mean? In, in yeah, he was. In series two. Um, and I think we'll see a lot more of that. He, he's the only one that's had a substantial two. period of time, isn't he? Everyone else, it was yeah. quite recent, whereas it was it was a good six months after the events of of Daredevil season two. So he, he's the only one that's really had time to go away and sort of think about and stew on on what's happened everyone else yeah was was quite fresh and yeah. they're all different I, aren't they like luke cage isn't one to stew in his own juices i mean he's had the the hardest hand because he's ended up back in fucking prison for something he didn't do but he's just come yeah. out clean slate water off a duck's back well what's happened's happened it, well it was brief as well do you know what i mean I, yeah. I was glad i was glad coming into this actually that it felt like the first episode or two there was there was obviously some development there and some kind of interaction and trying to get the characters, uh, you know, in tune with each other where possible and, and developing their individual and collective storylines. But it didn't feel like it was too long based on that. Do yeah. you know what I mean? It, it, sometimes with these series, it feels like the build-up to anything actually happening, uh, a little bit with Luke Cage um, at times. Especially uh, with only with, eight with episodes. Because if you, if you think proportionately, yeah. if they'd spent half an episode or one episode dealing with you know luke getting out of prison and him talking yeah, about oh, exactly. this is what happened proportionately you've just lost a huge portion of the whole series on a really inconsequential part of one character and yeah. it, it, it wouldn't have worked there's too many too many strings that all needed time there's too together. much to get on with do you know what i mean yeah, it was, they, it was they, the series that evolved get on with it yeah it, it, yeah, would, be, exactly. it would be different if if this was earlier on but because we've had two seasons of daredevil and one of everyone else we know the characters we know the supporting characters we know claire intimately now because she she's the you know the the yeah, fabric she's, that, that she's holds the them all to, yeah, yeah. She, she's the the big link character between them so they didn't need to sit around and go oh luke cage has been in prison and this is what he's been doing we know luke we know claire we know all of the other ones so literally yeah. just get in there get on with it and get building yeah, I, it's I one of those that, that I yeah I don't that think that was you, a very good thing because yeah, I think we spoke around the time that it felt like they almost split it into two halves. They went right first four episodes building the team, building the people, building the relationship. Yeah, it did feel like a massive split actually. Second four, let's just fight some undead ninjas. Just you know get yeah. through it. It, it felt, I mean, in fairness, it felt quite daredevil. I think what, what everyone's expecting or hoping for is maybe a slight move away from the hand and moving on to other areas, yeah. do you know what I mean? Because it did feel quite familiar, which it was always going to, but it did feel like a little bit of an extension of a daredevil series. And yeah, I think, it, a, I think yeah. it did, because it was, wasn't it? It was just an extension. It was a logical continuation of what they'd done. And I must admit, as far as first villains go... I think the hand was a bit of a soft one to choose. I think they could have done a lot better. They could have. Done I, I, a bit I more think gritty. so too. I, I think that the best villain they've had in the entirety of all the all the series. Ah, I don't know. You can make an argument for I, for Punisher, obviously, and you can make an argument for David Tennant's character, um, Killgrave. Yeah. Um, but I who, still think I still think know back to Daredevil back. series one. I think you go back to. Um, Fisk and I just think he was yeah. the, he was just more of the the presence and he was more unhinged. I mean, saying more unhinged than the Punisher is quite a big thing, but the Punisher still had some some level of uh, humanity. He wasn't just out to cause. 
destruction in, in the way that I think Fisk was psychologically and mentally ready to do. Do you know what I mean? So I think that that was somewhat l- lacking. And I think Sigourney Weaver, I thought, was really good casting. Yeah, she, she was actually... She played a role well. She 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 played a role well to an extent she got to play the role. I thought she could have... I thought they were going to go up a bit of a notch with her um, and her get a little bit more... I don't know, she was very clean-cut, wasn't she? Do you know what I mean? She wasn't tyrannical or losing her marbles or anything. She was very I think straight. She was towards the end, but that that's kind of understandable because she was, she was dying and... Yeah, that she'd lived. Well, we don't know how long she'd lived, but we know she'd had a very long life. There were some really subtle references that I think a lot of people oh, yeah. might have missed, like when she talked about Constantinople. People probably don't realise how old that reference is. You know, that's hundreds and hundreds of years old. So for her to be saying that, it's it's their way of saying, isn't it? Oh, look, she's five hundred years old without actually coming out and being really obvious and saying it. And they did that a few times with other things where when she was talking about um, composers, like she was talking about Beethoven or something, and she's like, oh, well, such and such a body was like this. And um, she she was talking about a rivalry between two composers. And again, you're thinking, shit, did she actually knew them? And that woman at the the museum or wherever it is is going, oh, your, your insight is so fabulous. And she's just got this smirk on her face without actually saying to her, well, yeah, I did actually know them and they were both, you know, like this, that and the other. So yeah. the, she was brilliant, but it's what you'd expect. And it's what we always say in all these situations. It's getting that right balance of the young people that you've maybe never heard of, like Charlie Cox, I'd never heard of. I'd ne- I didn't know anything no. really of Deborah Ann Wall, although she had a good run on True Blood. And then you go and get Sigourney Weaver, you know, and David Tennant, people who you see and go, shit, shit, there's some real quality in this. Yeah, no, there really is. I mean, it's it's got that kind of, we, we talked about it with other Marvel productions in, in terms of film, but it's it's bringing people in with that kind of gravitas and stuff. And Sigourney Weaver, I mean, has it in... Oh, in, in Troves. Yeah, she, exactly. She's fantastic. Yeah, she is, and she just she's got that presence about her and there's there's not many I mean every time we reel off these films it feels like there are a lot but there aren't many kind of actors or actresses or actors if we're being PC um, that have that kind of on screen presence like she does so you you know we talked about Douglas um, talked about her there's obviously people like Kevin Spacey and you know but there's certain people that just if they're on screen, they're very hard to take their eyes, you know, take your eyes off them. Do yeah. you know what I mean? And I think she's got that because, you know, she's always done roles which kind of stand out and Aliens in particular. Oh, well, um, well if you look at what Aliens was, she, it was groundbreaking. Yeah. To, was, to, to have a woman in a leading role in that kind of, in a really macho role as well. Oh, yeah. She and, kicked ass in that. And, yeah. and she, she's been brilliant, but... It, Alexandra was such a, a varied character, wasn't she? When you think the first time we see her, she's vulnerable, she's frail, yeah. she's terrified because she's all of a sudden she's essentially mortal. But then as the show goes on, she becomes even more... She just gets worse and worse and more evil and more yeah. scheming. and like Matt, Yeah, Matt and she, she does have that about her. She's obviously trying to... She's trying to stay for life, essentially, isn't she? Do you know what I mean? She's trying to find a way, I think, where possible to 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 not give up give up the dream. I, th- I think she's got not quite the same similarities, but um, there's uh, Mashaya Ali's character in Luke Cage who kind of maybe got killed off a little bit too soon. You yeah, know what I mean? It, it that, felt that like... To be one of the criticisms that a lot of people have said of Luke Cage is he was such... An this is a spoiler special, by the way, if no one realised yeah, that we, coming we into this. Spoiler <laughs> but yeah, he, he he was so such an enthralling character, and he yeah. died like less than halfway through, which seems really premature. But you understand why, because it did serve a greater plot point. It, it did, but I think then they kept the wrong villain almost. Do you know what I mean? Because yeah. he would have been, to me, the the better villain. In the, I know I'm I, I'm not sure of the comic material in Luke Cage, so I, I guess if he's cast for a part that goes by the comics and he dies in that, then you know you're being true to the you know the comics and the, and the source material. But it's it's 
it's that kind of similarity for this where I was like, she's kind of just getting going. And then they obviously have to do some shocking things. And I think Electra, um, you know, taking over in that way was, was quite bold. And, and I thought I, people I didn't, didn't really like coming. Electra. No, I didn't see it coming either. Um, I, I thought that Electra was going to kill the rest of them. Yeah, and it so was just going to be point. Electra and Alexandra running things. But that was a real dick move. Yeah. Considering every other time we'd seen them together, Alexandra was like the sort of adoptive mother and she's very much trying to help her. You know, oh, your past life, nobody really cared for you. That's why they left you. We're your family now and she's trying to reintegrate her into this new family. And then she just kills her stone dead. Yeah, it's stone dead as well. (laughs) Yeah, no no more of the substance. And that's, I think that would have been probably the first thing that was quite shocking about it as well because I, I like there was some, there were obviously some fight scenes in there and some some levels of violence but i think if you go back to daredevil it's on another level violence wise isn't it do you know what i mean yeah it's and i think that that's kind of what i felt it was lacking at times is that kind of edge you know the, the stuff with the punisher in series two that prison you know scene obviously that the, there was a hallway fight scene which we we were expecting um yeah, it, and there were some great fight scenes which we'll talk about i'm sure but it it just didn't quite have it didn't feel quite as bold as i thought it would be basically one we, thing. we'd be most happy wouldn't we if it was just done like daredevil plus so they did season one of daredevil season two and then this was like season two and a half yeah, oh, yeah. I mean, at, at times it felt a bit like mixed. that. It felt a bit like Civil War, where you've got a Captain America film that's almost a, an Avengers film. Do you know what I mean? It's yeah. like a 2.5. It, it, it had a feel of that. The, the big thing for me, and what surprised me most when I watched this series, is how much I missed Jessica Jones. Like, I, I honestly, I watched that first series, and we've never talked about it on a pod. And, no. and I really enjoyed it and, and we both kind of had a, the odd moan about Jessica Jones and, and her as a obviously her issues with with her um, we're getting hit on the back of the fucking head well there was that big issue but you know the series as a whole and her wit and her kind of style of delivery and her style of acting I just think she's incredible it's faultless it, yeah it is she, she plays a drunk so well <laughs> You forget that Kristen Ritter, again, she's a, a very, you know, well-respected, certified actor. She, yeah, she's, she's not... got a bit of props for a Breaking Bad role, albeit she was only in it briefly, but she was very good. Yeah, well, like you say, we, we never really got to cover uh, Jessica Jones, and whenever no. I talk about it, I've always said oh, I, that it was a bit of a disappointment, and I was a little bit let down with it, but seeing her in this made me want to slap myself forever saying that because she, yeah, me too. she was brilliant. She was very much like the connective tissue in bringing everyone together. She did. Well, she's just the one job. that's a bit, she's just brash and rude and obnoxious. She's the real, and she's just, she's just fun, man, you know, because, and, and I think you, you get that when you've got Charlie Cox kind of pining after a lecturer, the whole series, you've got, you know, Iron Fist basically saying I'm the immortal Iron Fist on repeat and yeah. then you've got Luke Cage kind of I don't know not wanting to be there at times it felt like to be honest I think he'd probably been like Christ I've just got out of prison and I've been <laughs> fighting all these people could I just have a rest um, she just felt like the one that just I don't know she just felt great to be on screen and I think she she had that kind of supporting cast, you know, obviously the couple of members that were from Jessica Jones. And, and I think th- there's feelings that this is kind of, you know, great to lean towards her, her second series, which I think everyone's going to be quite excited about now, to be honest, yeah. because she, she's just perfectly cast. And she, you know what, in fairness to her, and I, and I, I guess she, she doesn't look that effective when she's fighting or running, but she found a bit of strength in this. Do you know what I mean? And I, and I felt like they did it a lot better than they did in Jessica Jones, for instance. Yeah, no, I think that's fair. I think she, I, I, I don't know why. Maybe it was because the, the storyline for Jessica Jones was so deeply personal for her that, you know, she had a lot of like baggage that she had to get rid of in the former Kilgrave. And now she's been able to move on. And now maybe they're able to develop her more as 
Jessica yeah. Jones, the hero, rather than Jessica Jones, the former hero, struggling with this past life. But yeah, she, she's got a bit of an anti-hero touch about it. Oh, know? she's reluctant. well, because she's always drunk, and if she's not drunk, she's <laughs> on her way to it. She swears. She's horrible to everyone. I mean, these people are her friends. And she spends most of the time telling Matt that he's stupid and he looks stupid and he looks like an yeah. art doll with the scarf. She's always taking the piss out of Danny because he starts talking about his chi and things like that. <laughs> but at the end of the day, when the chips are down, she's one of the first ones to run into battle and throw punches, isn't she? He's, even though he's she not was, got any real yeah. powers anymore, she's always there. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't imagine how they'd ever try and get her to, to fly. Do you know what I mean? It just wouldn't work, let's be honest. Well, I think um, they, they moved away from that, didn't they? In, in, in Jessica Jones, they showed that she could leap really far. And I yeah. think when she had a, a conversation with um, with Trish, I think one point she says, that she, I think she acknowledged that she used to be able to. But now she yeah. either couldn't or she, I think it was something like, well, she, I haven't tried it in so long. So she's kind of afraid to, but realistically, the alcohol we, probably stunts half of her we, development. We, we don't need flying in, in Netflix. No. That's, we want it for the grit and the violence and the language. We don't need the cheesy superhero powers. I'm quite content for her to just jump and run and punch people. It'd yeah, nice and, and in their own series, I kind of don't want to involved in any of that, if if possible. Do you know what I mean? I like her kind of approach where she is, and they did put that into this, where she's an investigator. Do you know what I mean? She's a very good private investigator, and she's got an eye for things, and that's her skill set. Do you know what I mean? And obviously, Charlie Cox is is legal kind of side of things. They they all except Danny Rand and, and Luke Cage in fairness Th- those two have a, an outside life outside of being a superhero I guess of, yeah. of some ilk do you know what I mean or, or being uh, you know it's it's just it's just different and I kind of love the fact that you've got her ripping um, Daredevil's outfit and, and all the kind of quick one-liners that she's got in there nice ears um, yeah exactly it's just that just worked and her relationship, you know, when she reaches over, one of my favourite parts of the whole series is when she reaches over on the underground on the subway and she oh, grabs yeah. a can of beer out the homeless guy's kind of bag and they just look at her and she just doesn't give a shit. Do you know what I mean? That's her approach to things. So it's been a long week, I think. Yeah. Um, yeah. She's just such a great character. And I think without her, it, it wouldn't work, I'd say, to be honest. It would be a little bit flattering. It certainly would have been a a lot less funny because she yes. she was definitely in a lot of scenes especially the really awkward things she was very much the comic relief she was and, yeah, and that's what you need she, she's got great timing because you don't really go to daredevil for comedy and luke's very dry you sometimes get accidental comedy from from danny but she's the deliberate comedy she's like she is just pulls no punches just you look like an idiot what are you talking about with your fucking chi yeah, she's she's essentially you in comic form. She's me with tits. Yeah, it's similar. It um, works for me. I, I, I don't think you drink that much. You drink that much tea, but I don't think you drink that much alcohol. Funny, but, that was uh, very good timing because I'm drinking tea right now. <laughs> yeah, you see. Um, 47 of these, you get to know what happens on the other end of a Skype call. Um, yeah. So, I mean, generally speaking, I thought it was... There was a lot of positives to take from this. I think, like you said about the first four episodes, I felt like they were they were building, but they were a little bit too cautious. And then it felt like it had to catch up with itself a little bit in the final four and throw a little bit too much. Well, not too much, but but get the action stakes up and get the intensity stakes up. And I just think perhaps it could have been longer is my, my big thing because what have we had, 13 episodes on the other series? All, all the other ones have been 13 and this one was eight felt to me like maybe they didn't have enough either script or time to shoot or, you know, something along those lines because I'm quite surprised they didn't lengthen it to being at least 10 episodes. It, it, I felt like, and I've never felt like Daredevil's too long. I think we had this discussion once and probably came to realise it's not too much. But I think Iron Fist felt like three episodes too much maybe. Luke Cage dragged a little bit in the middle. I think Jessica Jones did at times until Colgrave kind of stepped it up. Um, and I just think maybe they 
they did haven't quite got the balance right yet. I think ten episodes would have been perfect for this because I think they tried to wrap up maybe too much too quickly. Especially with them being longer episodes as well. I mean, an extra two episodes doesn't sound a lot, but that's potentially two hours that you yeah. can do a lot in that two hours. And it it did feel you always take the piss out of me for being overly positive, but this is the only one of the series where it's finished and yeah. I haven't instantly been chomping at the bit. Like, if there'd been a second season, I would have been straight all over it. Of course I would, but I would yeah. have been doing so with a little bit of, well, I, I don't know what to expect now because I, I didn't feel as hyped as I have done. Even after Iron Fist, I was so hyped. But after this one, I actually started thinking, well... That that feels, uh, Iron Fist, feels like I think, it was, me was over a, a, bit. a big break coming before Iron Fist. So I think we were kind of desperate to see what had happened. Do you know what I mean? Like we we wanted more of that, you know, of, uh, of Hell's Kitchen, really. And I think this has come not long after Iron Fist, and and everyone was ready for it. But I think everyone was probably expecting Avengers levels of of, of coming together of of the characters, do you know what I mean? I think everyone was expecting a, a big, grand, and a kind of spectacle. And I don't think it, it kind of was that. Um, I think you said it was a 7 out of 10. I think I would call it the same. So, I, you know, I'm not, like, hypercritical of it because there's moments of it I really loved and there's a lot of it that makes me want to... I just want to see more Daredevil. I literally... You could make 10 series of Daredevil and I'd watch it on repeat, to be honest. But... yeah. Um, but he, just he was definitely well. the highlight. Yeah, and his fighting, man, his fighting is so good. He, you know his I mean? stuntman is on another level of yeah. of ability. It's scary how good he is, and he's obviously got the hardest job because even even though Iron Fist is an incredibly skilled fighter, he doesn't do the flips and the acrobatic stuff that Daredevil does. Luke and Jessica are both really just heavy hitters and throwers and stuff. Yeah, Luke doesn't get involved, and and you could see Jessica was struggling in the martial arts in terms of her character would get beat by someone being too quick for her. Do you know what I mean? When she can't use any physical strength. And And especially especially that that last scene um, when they were fighting in the the tunnel underground, you could really see that that those two were struggling because they didn't have a lot of space and they were, they were surrounded by three and four ninjas. And that's obviously what they're used to just dealing with people who punch. They're not used to dealing with people with swords and, and giant axes and all, and coming at them from the ceiling and the rafters and all kinds. That's there's some nice moments where you got Luke kind of protecting because he's, he's obviously bulletproof and, and, and those kind of elements. But when he was in a fight one-on-one uh, with one member of the hand, I'm not sure which one it was, who was basically getting the better of him. Um, that was that was pretty interesting because it kind of showed a vulnerability, which you don't often see with Luke, you know? And it was, it was interesting that. I, I did think they did up the stakes with Iron Fist, Danny Rand's martial arts. I thought he... He was good in, in his own solo efforts, but he was always outclassed by Colleen. But I think he was, he was Colleen, really good. She was this. brilliant again. She, she was. was absolutely brilliant. And big spoiler, um, not that anyone listens. Um, <laughs> you know, when we, we spoke about it before we recorded, but, um, oh, why is her name got Misty Knight. Obviously, we saw her lose her arm. That's a massive deep cut, no pun intended, for the comics. Yeah. Because in the comics, uh, Colleen and Misty Knight are uh, the, the daughters of the dragon, so they're like a proper crime-fighting duo. Yeah. And a picture has come out today of Misty Knight walking alongside Luke Cage with a comic book robotic arm. So that's confirmed. I mean, it was pretty much known that they were going to do it anyway, because she doesn't... I don't know whether she stops being a cop and she goes private, or she's still a cop, and, yeah. and she's just. I think she stops being a cop because I'm guessing when you've got a robotic arm, the police aren't going to be as keen on you being a member of the force in case something goes wrong. But she she goes off with Colleen, and they start kicking ass on their own. But in in the the comics, it the arm is made by Tony Stark, and we were saying before we don't know whether they'll actually do it. They might just name name it literally once, you know, where did it come from? Oh, such and such Stark tech. Or they might just completely walk around it and just say it came from Danny Rand 
because Colleen said, didn't she, uh, when she was lying, when um, Misty was lying in bed, that Danny had bought the hospital, and they they gave a nice nice little tip of the hat to it because she said something about them being um, very advanced, something yeah. something like that. So it, anyone who knew that that was coming, it was a huge tip of the hat to look. She's going to be getting a robotic arm. She she's clearly loving being in this because whenever she's got a photo still, she posts it on Twitter almost immediately. It would seem so. Yeah, it's kind of cool. So I, I think they could do more with her. I think she's a bit of a nagger in the series. Do you know what I mean? She she. But I think, like you said, if she goes a bit more rogue, I think you'd see a little bit more of a different side to her because that she's would, got it in her. That would she's certainly got to play the more. Law. It would it would play more into the hands of Colleen because Colleen is obviously. With the with the things that Colleen's trying to her. establish what she can do. Do you know what I mean? I think in in life, she, she just her, wants to help, doesn't she? She feels like she, she knows that she yeah. she's been lied to her whole life by the hand, and she just wants to know that she can do something to make a difference. Well, her and Misty can definitely make a difference with their skills. Yeah, they they can definitely make a difference. Yeah, they they. I don't know. You, you could see some kind of link up with them and Jessica Jones at some stage if they went down that route. But it's it's interesting. Um, I think that those characters were great as side characters. I think obviously Rosario Dawson. I don't know, man. We we can't get enough of Rosario Dawson on this pod. To be honest, I think she's just excellent in every scene she's in, as you'd expect. Um, yeah. I don't know if you're bringing up the sex scene or not, but we probably won't. Um. No, just a, I was expecting something like that, but I wasn't expecting it within like the first ten minutes. No, I know they they got to business, didn't they? They really did. Yeah, they didn't um, waste any time. And I mean, let's talk about Danny. Is it? You know, I do feel for Finn a bit because Iron Fist we talked about in, in depth, and I think we we generally liked the series. We saw there was some some pretty major flaws, and there could have been some things that were done a little bit better. But there were some things that we really enjoyed and I think we want to see built upon. But I think he's the source of most people's negativity when it comes to to the defenders as a, as a general rule, um, which I think is mainly down to the writing. I don't think... I think the fact that he does say, I am the immortal Iron Fist quite regularly. Oh, and- God, yeah. Well, it's become a meme already about... Yeah, I, I, I'm the immortal Iron Fist defender of Kunlun, sworn enemy of the hand. Yeah. Literally, you should just get it printed on a fucking business card. But I, I know, think, man. I think the the, the yeah. problem with him is because they they didn't have to deal with the mysticism in anywhere near as much depth with Daredevil. They talked about the hand a little bit. But they didn't have to go into, you know, the seven cities of heaven and dragons no. with molten hearts and chi and all that. It was no, more, and even it, Madame Gao didn't have such bloody no. chi or powers that she suddenly sprung on this series. That was bizarre. No, so I, I can see why they've struggled with it, but they need to get a grip on that now because I was I was hoping that they would have sorted out the teething problems of Iron Fist by the defenders but you've still got the same pro- people's problem well I think the issue is like I said is I don't know if it was shot either before or, or they had no time to do any reshoots after the reactions to Iron Fist because well, it just that would it, make it, it felt like it felt like the same character with no feedback from what people didn't like about that series which is disappointing but I think given the fact that the second series has a new showrunner um, they'll probably change the direction of the character and make him less of a whiny little bitch at times well they need less to because you know, out, out he of the four to, of them you know he's pretty cool he's a cool character and, and in his costume which we want to see and with the Iron Fist and all the rest of it you want to see what he he can become well we've and, kind of know. already got the the costume because right at the end um when he's wearing that jumpsuit that's the more modern take from the Marvel yeah. now series yeah. so i think that's from like the last maybe three or four years something like that sure um so we we've kind of got that but what we want is the the scarf around his face but yeah the, the problem that they seem to have with him is anyone who knows the characters knows that iron fist is incredibly powerful Yet every time they have a fight scene, the first three quarters of it, he's getting his ass handed to him. He's still only got the Iron Fist in one hand. He should have it in both hands by now. He should be much more in control of his powers. 
Yeah, he seems to be lacking control as a rule, you know, and that's what's frustrating. That's where my problem with it comes from. My only exposure to him is is a little bit from the comics, but from cartoons. And in the cartoons, he's always the one that's leading the fight. Well, in this, it's Daredevil. Then it's, it's Luke Cage. And then it's possibly him. And it should be, you know, he should be front and center because as he says he's the sworn enemy of the hand he should be the one that's leading the troops into battle and it sort of addressed that the the hand weren't that bothered by him they were more scared when daredevil came up when it was oh the devil of hell's kitchens with him everyone's arseholes tightened up a little bit and that's kind of the wrong way around because at the end of the day daredevil is just a man (laughs) iron fist is the one that's got this immortal unholy power so they, I agree. No, got, I agree. They've, they've definitely made that. it out like Charlie Cox is the more important of the figures. He's the lead. Do you know what I mean? And and I, I think that's because he's more of a developed character. He's obviously more established, but he clearly he clearly seems more of a, a threat. Do you know what I mean? Because obviously the Iron Fist has got extreme power, but he can't ever bloody charge the thing up because he's got yeah. no control of it. So you see him in action scenes and he's fine, but he's not, I don't know. You know, we, Charlie Cox is, is Daredevil just on another level for me. And, um, and even when you see people like, I mean, Luke Cage is, I, I don't think we'll see more because he, he's only brute strength and I think that's it do you know what I mean and that's understandable but Jessica Jones surprised me in this whereas Iron Fist didn't really surprise me all that there was a couple of moments um, but I thought the fight scenes were mainly centred again around Daredevil and Electra which was not a massive surprise yeah I think the other problem with with Iron Fist was I, I didn't really enjoy the arc where they sort of made him the the weak link where oh yeah that, he did become the weak that that part yeah. of the storyline seemed kind of forced that's where i i to me that's where the weakness the 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 writing sorry hit its lowest point it's as if they couldn't find a way to get these two things happening so they go right we've got the defenders have come together we've got the hand we need to get them head to head well why don't we have them targeting the iron fist and they need him to open this this yeah, and when they look. tied him up and stuff, it felt a little bit. I mean, there was still some good interaction. It I was thought Luke too was, easy. Luke was good in those moments, but yeah, it was way too easy, way too easy. Yeah. So and it it just didn't feel like yeah that would have been the point where they could probably up the ante a little bit. They could have gone on some kind of I don't know, not that it's that star, but maybe a chase scene or something that would maybe bring it out a little bit more do you know what I mean like it felt like the action was mainly centred around obviously the build up to that and then that big last episode um, which let's be honest was pretty damn cool with the lift um, and with all the you know the, the dragon carcass and stuff which was pretty awesome and and that dragon they never actually addressed it but that was supposed to be Shaolau so that was supposed to be the dragon that Danny defeated in order to actually get the Iron Fist. Yeah. So that that was a nice... That That's probably the closest that we're ever going to see. I don't think we'll ever see Dragon never in the, flashbacks. They never have the budget, man. They're never no. going to go Game of Thrones, let's it, be honest. They, they'd have to do a bloody four-episode season yeah. if they ever wanted to do Dragons. Yeah, it's a different style. It's not... I think what we wanted to see, and what I think me and you both said is, is we were shocked they didn't wake up in Kunlun, really. That's what I was expecting. Yeah, I I thought that when when he he opened his eyes, he was going to stare upwards and see like a golden sky or something, and then he was going to look round and be like, "The fuck, I don't think we're in Kansas anymore." Yeah, and I was really surprised to see him in New York. Now we yeah, don't know what so happened. Was I. We don't know what's happened to Electra because it, it, the only way they're going to explain that I've seen two theories so far. One, that Electra, because of the way she's been resurrected, she's got this ungodly level of power and she was able to shield him from the debris or that the tunnel never collapsed because the tunnel was reinforced with dragon bones. Maybe the building came down on top of him, but the tunnel survived because if, yeah. if whatever it was, a 40-story building collapses on you, 
surely Electra, I mean, she must be, what, about 120, 130 pounds? There's no way yeah. she's stopping, you know, a big piece of debris from smacking him on the head or cracking his sternum or chopping his legs off. No. So th- th- there's got to be some kind of a semi-logical explanation, considering we're talking about a pathway to another dimension, not another dimension, to another plane of existence. Yeah. Th- there's got to be some way. But if anyone didn't get it, that final scene when he wakes up in the um, what looks like a hospital, but he's actually in a, um, a convent. And when yeah. they name, they say, um, get Maggie. Maggie is actually his mum. And they cover it really well in one of the best Daredevil books out there, which I read in the last couple of weeks called Born Again. Um, and it turns out that when, when Matt had his accident when he was a kid, there was this mysterious woman that came to to visit him while he was in in bed. He didn't know who she was, but he remembered her name. He remembered her voice, and he remembered the feel of the crucifix that she wears. And years later, when he's been psychologically destroyed by the kingpin, the kingpin has found his secret identity, which I'll cover as well because it's a boss story. And he psychologically and physically destroyed him. And he ends up being found by this sister Maggie. And Matt, work, he recognises the feel of the crucifix round her neck, even though it's about 20 years later or something. And he realises, he, he says to her at one point, he goes, are you, are you my mother? And that's clearly the line they're going down. So it looks Yeah, like- which makes sense because it's got to go in a new... Well, it's got to go in a different direction. You know, you know the characters as they stand. There's only so much development they can do on people like foggy do you know what i mean it's it's gone as much as it can go so do we think fisk is the big bad still coming back into season three is that what we expect or do we think we'll move i think so i i would be surprised after that little easter egg there if they don't go into the born again storyline because i wanted to find the scene so we could go over the dialogue but the bit where fisk goes to prison he has a bit of a heated exchange with Matt, doesn't he? Not with Daredevil. And he yeah, makes he some kind of a personal threat against him. And in the comics, what happens is Karen goes off the rails. She becomes heroin addict. Oh, what you told me about this, I was like, uh, okay. It's, it's, one of the, it's rated as one of the darkest storylines in all of comics. She becomes they a heroin addict. She becomes a prostitute. And she ends up starring in porn films against her will because she's that into the drugs that she'll do anything to get money. And she ends up selling Daredevil's identity to some low-level drug dealer. And through a series of Chinese whispers, it gets sold onto the Kingpin. So the Kingpin starts testing Matt and Daredevil at the same time. It's kind of similar to what Bane does with Batman. Very cerebral. He's breaking him down piece by piece. And every step of the way, he wants Matt to know that it's him that's doing this. Karen actually... If they go that direction, and and, and they're bold enough to. I mean, looking at uh, Daredevil 1 and 2, they certainly don't pull any punches. The violence in those um, is off the charts. Do you know what I mean? It's probably the darkest thing produced in terms of Marvel, DC, you know, when they've had the opportunity, when it's not on a mainstream network or in film. So I think it's, yeah, I think it's going to be good if they go in some form of direction. We always said her background was very untold and unexplained. Do you know what I mean? And there's a lot more to come from her. So I'm hoping they do elements of that. I think that'd be good. The logical way of them doing it, because as far as they're concerned, Matt's dead. So the logical way to spin it now is that she just goes off the rails? They they might not go down heroin. They could just it could just be she drink. can drink yeah drugs it, it, maybe it could just yeah. be she, she's spending every night in Josie's bar pounding bottles of whiskey, and a lot of it they can do. It's you know all they've got to do is show her leaving with some strange fellow when she's arsehole and she wakes up the next day she doesn't know where the hell she is or what she's been doing, and they've covered it right there. And then basically she just goes so off the rails because yeah that in might the comic happen. it's just because. They split up. I couldn't see them ever going the whole way, but if they do that half as well, then it's a brilliant arc for a character that, like you say, we we said there's something about her. The way she handled the gun and shot that fella, um, the Kingpin's assistant, Yeah, she was too comfortable with that gun. She was too okay with the fact that she just murdered someone in cold blood. This could be a way now of unleashing her darkness 
you know, she she's done a really good job over the last few years of covering it up. But now Matt's dead. All the darkness comes out. She can't fight it anymore. Because in the comics, she's besotted with Matt. And I think it's their breakup that tips her over the edge. And even though she screws him over in the worst way, she still goes back to Hell's Kitchen and she still goes back to Matt and confesses what she did. Because she thinks that he'll he'll help her. And he does. He still ends up helping her because he's always there for her. So yeah. it would be a fascinating way of doing it. And it looks like in the meantime... Danny has taken over informally the responsibility of being the guardian of, of Hell's Kitchen because you see that great scene where he's on the rooftop and you th- and it looks he's adopted like a daredevil type pose he's crouching and he's watching but then he obviously lights up the fist yeah so and and then the, there's there's clearly in Luke Cage season two it, there's clearly going to be a lot more of Jessica in there because they've now patched up and you know. It, she seems like she's maybe willing to accept that there's room for one or two more people in her life rather than just Trish and that guy that, that works for her, the one yeah. that she, she acts like she hates, but really she actually kind of, you know, appreciates him. I can't remember his name. So it, it, they've already said now in the same way that Avengers assemble was the end of phase one. This is the end of phase one of Marvel Netflix. Now we go into phase two and now they're supposed to go into overdrive so the fight scenes are supposed to get bigger and better and bloodier. The characters are supposed oh, to get man. grittier. They, they, they need to dial up the villains across the... Ho- if, you, if you count them all as one entity, because they are, aren't they? Yeah. The shared universe. They need collectively better villains. And the logical thing to do for me is set the kingpin at the top of it and then everything else that happens in all of the other series permeates from him. Yeah, because yeah. you've got to drill down into the kingpin. He's one of Marvel's most iconic villains. Well, he's he's Spider-Man villain, wasn't he? Or, or had connections with? He, him he's ha- he's had a lot of connections with Spider-Man. I think he probably would be considered a Spider-Man villain first and foremost because Daredevil's yeah, gallery is actually really shit. Daredevil has got some of the. He's got probably my least favorite villain ever, which is Stiltman. <laughs> Where he's literally there's this guy and all these. No, that sounds like Condiment King or something. That's uh, terrible. Yeah, that's like a bad Gotham villain. You know, series one when they just yeah. pulled out those guys like the Balloon Man. It's just oh god, whatever he was called. Um, yeah, it feels like sometimes they just the writers can write a great hero, but they don't always know to write a great villain. To be honest, so yeah, yeah I, I still think the scope, but I think I think we've all had enough of the hand. Let's be honest. Yeah, the, the hand was... Out of all the villains he could have done, I thought that was one of the weirdest ones to pick because it's such... To start going into a cult and resurrection and ties that go back hundreds and thousands of years and the black sky, yeah. and it, it was so weird to, to do that. You know, it would have made more sense for them to do, right, phase one is the kingpin, and then gradually, over the course of those five, six seasons, bring the hand in in the background. Yeah. Because then they could have done it a little bit more gradually. But it, it's done now. I mean, the, the major thing is that the villains didn't compromise the quality of the show that much. It wasn't the case of, I don't, oh my I don't God, think it sucked. No, I don't think they did. I just think their interaction with each other wasn't great. I liked the Japanese guy who was, was he carving a bear on the table? He was pretty cool. He was pretty badass. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Another one you mean. You know what I mean? It was a hunter or whatever they would define it as. He was pretty cool. Um, the the other didn't... members of the hand, I mean, Bakuto was brilliant. He was really good. In, in this series? I mean, he's a good fighter. But Overall, the, the only thing I didn't like about him in this one, like they, kind of they didn't spend of, yeah. one second talking about his resurrection because he was dead. And we were told that they oh they did they briefly said about his I think it was mentioned like as a passing comment do you know what I mean but it was just like really do you know what I mean that's it Um, well they they had no more of the compound left because they used all of it on Electra so how the hell was he brought he must have been brought back instantly so so the time a little bit off because that means that the event of the events of Iron Fist must where he died must have been 
like pretty much parallel with season two of Daredevil. Yeah, because she was she we didn't the, we didn't see the compound being used on her, but she was placed into that giant casket or the urn, wasn't she? And then yes. we we got an extended version of that scene where they then took that and they covered her in that black tar, which then ended up almost looking like blood when she came out of it. Yeah, but he he was good, Madam. The one one thing I really liked about Madam Gao was she she seemed all powerful whenever we've seen her, but she's kind of a little bitch. She was really subservient, wasn't she? Whenever Alexandra was there, she's kissing her ass and calling her ice cream. She was it was weird, and then obviously she suddenly got. <laughs> these kind of forced powers and I just don't think she's ever had those has she have we never seen her do anything other than kind of hobble around I think we oh god in the I it think was the, it felt strange anyway do you know it, what I mean it, it, was like her that, having, it was like Yoda wasn't it from the, the Star yeah. Wars prequels where all of a sudden he can't walk but he can do a fucking triple backflip with a she's half she's got pint. a bit of a Yoda vibe <laughs> she has actually because she's really small and she walks with a cane yeah, I think that's it. That's but basically it, it, small people with canes give off Yoda vibes. Yeah, I'd build my baggins at the end of Lord of the Rings. Mm. Um, yeah, that's a strange reference to go to, but I'm just thinking of small people with canes. I don't have many to reference. <laughs> There's not a lot in my, you know, gags when he's old. Um, I don't know yeah. if I've got any more. Yeah, he'll have a cane. He'll have a cane. It'll be Anfield Index printed. Do you know what I mean? It'll be full logoed. Yeah, um, but he's definitely, yeah, he's definitely going to have one. Um, have we got anything else to cover on defenders? Are we actually going to beat an hour or the clock for once ever, or are we we pretty satisfied? I think, from my perspective, you know, I think like you, I, I felt like I need a little bit more. I have just read that the reason it wasn't longer is like we predicted. It was conflict schedules because of Jessica Jones series two and Luke Cage series two needed to start production. Now to me, what's your priority? Do you know what I mean? Like, is it not going to be defenders because defenders should be the culmination of all those four initial series. Obviously dead. Dead. has got two series, but that's a bit of a disappointment. To me, I saw it would be the spectacle, and I liked it. I just think we've had better, and I think what everyone expected is it would be the best series, or hoped anyway. At well, least. I, I I hoped it would. I I, re- I really hoped that it was going to be um, the, the 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 culmination of of the previous two years, but yeah, it, it, it felt like it feels like they've lost a little bit of momentum. Let's yeah, be that, that's that's a fair way of looking at it. Like. Like I said, the only way I can really summarise it is I, I called it a 7 out of a, out of 10, which seems fair. And I just yeah, felt when fair. it finished, I was a little bit like like unfinished business. It felt like they needed just one more episode or something to just explain a few things. And I think they needed a couple. The, the, the big issue for me with it is it's not like an arrow or a flash that comes back every year. We're probably going to be talking Defenders Series 2 in two years' time. I, it's going to be at least two, maybe three, because we've got Punisher, and, and Punisher's end of this year. I think they yeah. did say from now on they're going to be doing three seasons a year. So yeah, which, which like makes March. sense as to why they're struggling for scheduling. But let's be honest, we, you know, we're not getting this yearly. It's it's a bigger. It should have been yeah. a bigger event for me. Do you know what I mean? It should have been a bigger spectacle. I think and, it's going to be something like March... So one round Easter, one round the summer, and then one round October, November. Yeah, I mean, I, I look. We've always said everyone should watch all of these, but it does surprise me that you know it's not got more of a standalone element to it. I think you really needed to know what the hell was going on in all these other series. Oh, you, you, you certainly knew. needed to know anything that related to the hand. You needed to at least have seen Daredevil and Iron Fist, yeah. Because otherwise, the hand stuff and all the mystical Kunlun stuff had. You know, you had no background to 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 touch on with it. No, exactly, exactly. And I, I did. To, it did surprise me somewhat. But like I said, the momentum feels like it's been taken out of their sails somewhat because I think they were riding high um, after Daredevil series two. It was like their peak point because Jessica Jones did really well, and obviously Daredevil season one, and then the buzz about the Punisher and Luke Cage, and and we like Luke Cage. I, I mean, we. At times, I loved Luke Cage. I saw it had more potential, and I thought the villain was a bit of a letdown in the end. Um, but stylistically, we said it was ace. 
you know what I mean? Because it had the yeah. kind of real soul and real vibe of, of Harlem, and and I thought they were quite bold with the way they produced it and the music and the club and the style. It was just great, great in those elements. And I think Iron Fist has just slowly kind of got into everyone's mindset a little bit and just brought things down a peg or two. And I think everyone expected Defenders to just have that adrenaline here and, and kick things on again. And I just don't think it quite has. Um, I've no doubt they will produce great series to come. I just, you know, I think I think everyone just expected a little bit more and is a little bit, I think just a little bit disappointed. Not not Major League, like I said, you know, it's a good series. It's a solid series, but I think everyone expected it. It's, you know, we hold that bar really high, especially me and you, I think. Um, I, I said Daredevils. Daredevil to me is one of the best produced TV shows of the last few years. Do you know what I mean? Last 10 years, I'd say. And people will go, well, what about this? What about that? And everyone will always throw the fucking Sopranos at you. And, you know, I like Breaking Bad a lot. Um, and it's great. And there's a lot of great things. It's not Game of Thrones, don't get me wrong. But Daredevil is, is one of the finest produced TV shows in, in the last few years because it's bold and it's different. And they've got the casting just spot on. And, and it, I just it think stands that, on its know, own two feet as a TV show exactly. rather than just a comic TV show. Yeah, it really does, man. It really does. And I think Jessica Jones has got scope as well. Um, and I think they, if you look at who they rival, you know, Flash and Arrow and, and the other stuff that's on the networks, then I think they are different and they do stand out. Um, oh, they're different, but, but they, they definitely hold their own. I mean, in terms of reviews, all the Netflix shows get yeah, really, really popular. very, very yeah. favorable reviews. And lots of people that don't like comic stuff like I know people that watch Jessica Jones who remotely know interesting comics and Jessica Jones really ticks a lot of people's boxes yeah because it's not well she's probably the least comic out the bunch of them because you don't see comic characters that swear that sleep till lunchtime that drink all the time in in the absence of any kind of food so she she she's not just the anti-hero she's the anti-comic character as well well she is really yeah she is so in, um, in terms of going forward, we, we know that, as I've said, we know that Misty Knight's got her robotic arm. That's a good deep cut from the comics. We know Punisher is coming up. That's out in, in the next couple oh, of months. And it just looks give like me that, Punisher. That, just give me Punisher, more, man. More of his, yeah. uh, his military time, so that might sort of go... Just go really dark, really violent, up. really brutal, and I love every second of it. It looks like it's going to be quite violent because they've got a lot of explaining as to how he comes back as, as scarred as he is. Well, I feel yeah. a bit cheated, to be honest, man. I feel like I need the violence after watching yeah. Defenders. I feel like I need that kind of hit of raw brutality that only kind of Daredevil and Punisher produce, you know. So I think it's going to be fucking nice, to be and honest. We, we so. know that Kilgrave's coming back in, in some way. Yeah, I hope the flashback of somewhat. I don't really want because he shot himself in the head. Yeah, and obviously, all he's powerful as he is. I I don't want it. I don't. I really don't want it. Um, I just think they need to to move on. And I think, yeah, I think it'll be flashbacks. It it leads you to believe that because obviously they've got a big history and that's a big part of Jessica Jones. So we'll see. Yeah. So. Yeah, we're a bit far ahead for Luke and I'm, I'm just to see where they're going to go, and I'm, I'm not as excited about those anyway. Yeah. So, not yet. So, so in, in keeping with our the recent thing that Joey and I have been doing, if anyone does have any um, reading material that they'd like recommendations on, yeah, I can give a couple. Um, I'm just looking at my shelf now. The Immortal Iron Fist run from, I think it was like the mid-2000s, um, yeah, the the Immortal Iron like Fist, that. that's very, very well regarded. Where I can give people advice on is Daredevil, because I've been reading a lot of it recently. Um, Born Again, which is the one I mentioned before. Uh, Daredevil Guardian Angel, which is Kevin Smith, so you know it's oh, going to be good. Oh, God, I'm going to have to get my hands on that. And then an older one, which is um, from Frank Miller, Daredevil, The Man Without Fear, from oh, Frank Miller's Frank original. Frank Miller as well. Yeah. Oh, man. So no wonder people hold it in such regard because I've only touched on Daredevil and no wonder people always hoped they'd produce so much out of it because the material is really good. Well, th- this Frank Miller run, just looking in it, is 93-94. So that, that's a really famous... I put a picture up of it on my Instagram. There's a brilliant scene where 
there's a guy shoots a bullet at Matt and he takes his uh, his cane and he smacks the bullet midair and yeah. it fires right back at the guy and catches him right between the eyes. And you know what Frank Miller's artwork's like? It's really graphic. It's really adult-looking. You know, it's not big bloody kawaii eyes and stuff like that and Japanese no. style. It's really gritty-looking. So those three books are worth anyone's time. And I paid about 15 quid for the three of them, thanks to Amazon Marketplace. Oh, uh-huh, so nice. Easily affordable and definitely recommended. So, yeah, um, if anyone's got any of their own feedback that you'd like to give your thoughts on the show, uh, your predictions going forward or anything you'd like to see, then please do Yeah, give us some recommendations, actually. We're getting to the point where we've got a lot of – there's loads of stuff we can always cover, um, and I need to start – you know, reading some more material when when I can, you know, and it's it's always hard. I know Stuart always finds the time, but he doesn't have two very very demanding children to deal with. No, I've just got <laughs> as one. Much as I love them. You've got one, um, but you know what I mean. It's it's hard to always find the time, but we we really do love this podcast, and we've had some great guests on lately, and we kind of want to maybe increase that. There's some other people we want to bring into the fold at times, maybe, and and just some cover some new stuff. Um, Ragnarok is is coming on the horizon. Do you know what I mean? There's some more buzz around it, um, more buzz around Black Panther and stuff for next year. But it's it's the kind of off season, isn't it? Until the TV series kick back in. Yeah. Watching Arrow and Flash will be back soon enough. Walking Dead is probably back in October, um, which hopefully will kick its ass into gear. Um, and yeah, so we're just kind of we're poised and ready anyway. Let's put it that way. We are. Always poised and ready. We sound extremely tired. Um, <laughs> thanks for joining us. Though. We do genuinely appreciate it. Um, as I said, any kind of plugs and, and retweets and everything, all the focus, it's re- we really do appreciate it. And yeah, um, tune in. We'll be back next couple of weeks, I'd hope. So um, yeah, we'll speak to you then. Take care. Thanks. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most, but if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com <laughs>